We are joined by Lisa Raitt, former federal cabinet minister, now She's all ours. Well, actually, she has a job, but Lisa Raitt's nice to have you. Good morning. <laughs> Good morning, John. I, too, am excited about Hamilton. Yeah, it's I mean, I've seen it like three times already, but it's the kind of show I can easily go back to. So mm-hmm. um, it's the first of February. Welcome to a new month in the shortest month of the year. Um, but the arrival of the new month means Loblaws' uh, price freeze has come to an end. How do you think this has worked out for them and for us? So this is the rule of politics. It's really great to make these announcements that you're going to do something like you're going to shut down uh, transportation. You're going to do all these kinds of things. Hardest part is the reverse of that decision, especially when it's a popular one. And here they are with the reversal of a popular decision that they're no longer going to be keeping the prices at the low levels that they said they were going to keep. Like inflation is over. And, uh, you know, for a lot of Canadians, those prices aren't coming down and it their pocketbook is still stretched and they're probably feeling it a little bit more. So from a social media perspective, man, big backlash already. You can see it playing out on TikTok and Twitter. Yeah, I don't know if Galen Weston can win any argument these days, though. And I, I've been observing that sort of the jeopardy of him having made himself the face of Loblaws is now he's the face of Loblaws. He is. And it's a, he's on the cusp, if not already there, of mean. For, for the younger generation, for sure, for people between the, the ages of 18 and 35. He, his name is known. It may be, not be the kind of name that he wants, though. So you're certainly a person who can speak to this, and I always love that some of our pundits have special experience that they can bring to the table. Uh, Justin Trudeau announcing new long-term care practices mm-hmm. for the country, even though it's not his responsibility. I mean, I guess having national standards is not a bad idea, but Ontario is probably going to bridle because we meet most of these already. Yeah, so, you know, I, I find this interesting from what I can't be detached, obviously, John, because my husband, Bruce, is in long-term care. I spend about 10 hours a week with him at his long-term care facility. So I do see um, I do see what's going on. But the problem that they're trying to solve is one that's in our rearview mirror. And it's one that I promise you will never happen again. There will never be a decision taken to exclude family members and private caregivers from a long-term care setting because they're worried about a risk of infectious disease. That was the decision that caused so much of the problems that we saw because you couldn't staff it up. But what it pointed out is the utter reliance and dependence upon individual caregiving that is provided to the loved one in a home on a continuous basis around feeding, around entertaining, around keeping them mobile. Um, You know, four hours, I heard you talking about four hours this morning. That's easily accomplished in a day. There's no question that that standard is being met in Canada just by virtue of the fact that People have to receive morning care and evening care. They receive personal care through the day. They're fed three times a day. There are three snacks a day. Those things do take up all of those hours that you talk about. And it's not four hours in a shift. It's four hours in a day. And the day is 24 hours, as you know. And I'm wondering how it is apportioned, because I was offering, you know, that, well, four hours a day, that means one person would have two patients. But as you mentioned, all these different tasks, I mean, I guess you just sort of fill out a form that you spent five minutes helping this person out of bed, you spent 20 minutes feeding somebody else. But how does it work? Well, actually, that's exactly what happens. There's a bit of a, a schedule taken in terms of who is working where. Look, I don't want caregivers spending time filling out forms at the beginning and the end of a shift. I find that not to be helpful. I want to know if my loved one is eating. I don't need to know how many minutes it took 
to have my loved one fed because on the on the 20 bed floor my husband is on right now 15 of those people have to be hand fed because of the state of dementia they're in and i would add one last statistic john 70 percent of canadians who are in long-term homes i should say ontarians in long-term homes have dementia so we're specifically talking about dementia with um, the reality is the five-year uh, prognosis for them to live is very, very poor, worse than any of the cancers out there. A new report paints a fairly grim portrait of deaths in detention facilities, and I realize there's not a lot of sympathy for people who are behind bars, but it doesn't mean they have to die. Absolutely. I mean, again, it's good to take a look at how people are being treated in these situations and making sure that you're not, uh, aside from rights, you're just doing the right thing in terms of making sure that the person has the basics. And I know that it's it, it's an interesting topic because conservatives oftentimes are, are felt to be hard on crime and 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 wanting to make sure that people are, are punished for their crimes, which is absolutely true. But you still do have to have an eye to making sure that the way in which people are treated is is uh, is as fair as given the circumstances. A um, couple of interesting dilemma questions today, one of them being a woman who was living with her mother in a rent-controlled apartment, and then her mother passed away, and the landlord said, listen, you're a tenant, you're not the actual leaseholder, so either you have to pay this much more or get out, and she's pleading for some kind of mercy. Yeah, uh, those are tough. Yeah, there's a dilemma, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, what's going to happen there is that there's going to be there is going to be some kind of process around determining if this is if this is which side of the of the coin is going. I really don't have an uh, an opinion on it. It's a terrible story. It's a hard luck story, and I I know there's some empathy and sympathy out there, but housing right now, writ large in Ontario, is such a big issue and problem, especially with rents and young people. Um, it'll be one of the things that are, is noted, but I don't know whether or not you're going to see any any big changes coming through legislation. Yeah, and getting ready for the show, Lisa, this morning I was talking with Joe Cristiano because he's from New York City, and I thought this is a very New York story because people have been finding schemes and scams and means of preserving rent controls forever such that, you know, occasionally you'll find like a 80-year-old woman living in Manhattan for $450 a month. True. And isn't that the premise of Friends? Didn't Monica end up having that fabulous apartment for her and Rachel because of the fact that they had rent control from an elderly aunt? I mean, it's, it does seem to be part of the, the society there. It's, it's not so much here. So it's, it's an interesting story. I don't think it's one that's widely applicable in Ontario. Alberta lawyers have been mandated to take a course on Indigenous history to inform their legal practices. And there's now a petition saying, listen, it's probably a fine course, but you can't make it mandatory. Should it be mandatory? Yes, it should. And it, it essentially is mandatory because I think if I read correctly, over 9,700 of the lawyers actually did the course over the 18 months they were asked to do the course in. And I think that Canadians want to be educated in this topic for sure. I know that at the place that I work right now, CIBC, we have such a course. It is voluntary, but we had over, over 85% take up in it. And I think you know, mandatory doesn't bother me, especially when you're a practitioner of law. Thanks a lot, Lisa. Wonderful to have you this morning. As always, John, thanks. Have a great day.